Welcome to the Live Kabbalah, Live Your Truth podcast. I'm Rabbi Michai Cohen. And I'm Miriam Cohen. We are solepreneurs and founders of LiveKabbalah.com, an online school and community whose mission is to empower our students to live their highest selves. Kabbalah and Hasidus is the study of how to live our highest truth in this world. Join us in conversations with exceptional leaders, creators, and inspirational individuals as we explore how to live our lives authentically and wholeheartedly. Okay, hey everyone, we are super excited to begin this very in-depth delve into the world of a very unknown world in art, which is glass blowing. And with, uh, with our guest tonight, we're going to go into a much deeper perspective into glass blowing, because glass blowing in and of itself is a fascinating subject, but understanding what glass blowing means on more of the uh, mystical aspect, especially from the type of town that both of us live in. Uh, there's so much to, uh, to talk about over there. And so I am honored and delighted to have Sheva Chaya joining us today for what is going to be for sure a super interesting discussion into a lot of perspectives, uh, not only in art, but in Kabbalah and ultimately in living, right? Because we're artisans in our own right and life, I believe, is the greatest art form uh, that uh, we're, we're here in this world to be creatives. So Sheva Chaya, how are you? I'm great. How are you doing? Thanks for having me. Yeah, doing awesome. Thank God. Thank God. So I, I love that studio behind you. I've been there a number of times. And every time I've been there, you've been with goggles and fire. And doing this, doing these really cool contraptions of all types of incredible glass blowing magic, which I, which I, there's nothing, nothing less than that. So tell us about like how you got into glass blowing and were you always into fire? Right. So definitely was always into fire. That's, that was a, um, that was a, you know, if there's ever a bonfire, I wanted to make sure it was going well. I even have a wood stove going upstairs now in my house nice. and uh, love fire. And really for me, glass blowing, it became a way to use fire in a productive way, which is mm. really actually pretty amazing because as we know, fire is not always productive. You know, it has these aspects of both um, burning and bringing light so literally, actually, with glass, it's, it, it lights up and it brings the light, but we'll probably get into that stuff a bit more later, but wow. more to your question. Um, I heard about glass blowing when I was in college. I basically got into art through painting. I started with oil painting and uh, just loved the experience of delving into color and just really focusing on details or just looking at something deeply, like over and over again to look at the details was just an incredible experience, really life-changing. And I, I just hadn't really done that before. And uh, the colors are so beautiful and the flow. Um, and I was, I was in college at Princeton and I, I, you know, not the first place someone would go to learn art, right. but right. for me, it really just sparked um, I, I had a teacher there and sparked this, this love of art. And I said, you know, I'm going to, I'm going to focus on this. I, there's something I, I had a deep sense inside of me that I wanted to do something in the world and that could manifest in a lot of different ways. Um, I wouldn't have guessed it would have been art, but I felt by just how much I loved it, how much I was drawn to do it and had this really strong will awakening inside of me. It just seemed very real and important and, and potentially very powerful to be able to reach people in interesting ways, in deep ways. So I went with it and I've been doing art ever since. I switched to watercolor painting and uh, just was open to trying every kind of art. And like you said, like you brought up the question about fire. So I heard about glass blowing towards the end of my uh, time in college 
uh, my senior year. I heard I had some friends who had some friends who were glass blowers, telling me about it, showing me pictures. And this was back in the day before, you know, you could Google or YouTube anything and look it up and check it out and even learn it yourself. Uh, if you wanted to learn about something, you had to actually research it and find people and go meet them. <laughs> so that's what I did um, when it, I graduated. Put it on, on MapQuest and just you know, have that whole direct, <laughs> right? Yeah. Yeah, like actually use maps, you know. It was uh, interesting. But yeah, that was, you know, this will, nothing stands in, in the way of the will, as we know. And I really, um, I just wanted wanted to check it out. And I, I very much wanted to come back to Israel when I graduated. That was, you know, one of my clear goals to come back to Israel as soon as I could, because I knew I had a, a lot to learn. So and, wait, wait uh, can, can, I, can, I, can I just stop you for a second? Because this is all like sure. really fascinating. Um, so you went to Princeton and you yeah. graduated in, in the history of arts. Is that it? Um, it was both, uh, it was art history and art also history. The, the, the plastic arts. So it was, the you know, plan. I had a studio and I did, I, my, my thesis was an art show. Interesting. So when yeah. you go into art history, I mean, there's such a rich tradition, you know, that humanity has left for us, you know, in these thousands of years. So um, I'm, I'm sure glass blowing like stood out in, in your studies in some, you know, in some form, in some way. Um, I would say it's interesting. It came around um, really later. The history of glass came up for me later. The, what they offered there at Princeton for the, the art history classes were, was much more, you know, like the normal things that we would think of, you know, the different phases of, of art, um, painting. I, was, I became very interested also in film and photography. So I went, I learned a lot in that direction. I took a couple of classes specifically um, in looking into film, you know, back in those days, like film, like the actual strip of film and different um, wow. ways that people would work with that. And I was super interested in that also, I still am. Um, but I found myself always uh, being drawn to doing something hands-on and the, the art history classes I felt were, it was interesting, kind of like a filler, interesting information in certain artists and um, techniques stood out to me. But for the most part, I was just always wanting to get to the studio and try to do art. Um, that, was, that was where I was drawn to mostly. And then the actual, you know, the history of glass blowing. Once I started to get into glass blowing, it, it came up more, you know, people would ask. And, and so I started to look into it more, you know, the, this whole incredible history of yeah. uh, of of glass, which I can't definitely am not an expert on it, but you know the the aspects of it that have come through for me, it's it's super interesting. It's it's literally amazing to be located where I am here in Sfat. You know, we're about an hour away from Akko, the the coast of Israel, the northern coast of Israel, happens to be, you know, historically one of the best types of sand to make glass, which wow. is. Um, you know, and there's, there's incredible history that's come up. This is, you know, just a few years ago, something incredible wow. came up um, that they found. And I think it was in 2016, they found a, a furnace from about 1600 years ago that's in, in that area near Akko. And they still had, and there was still glass in it. Sure. So they took some of the glass and they sent it to the Technion to check out, you know, the wow. makeup of the glass, see, see what it was. And they checked it. And I know this story because I'm, I have a, a mentor slash good friend teacher um, named uh, Maestro Johnny Toso. So he's one of my, right. um, so he, he's, you know, it's a whole story in itself, but he's, you know, an Italian glass master who grew up in uh, Murano and Venice. Both sides of his family were glass families in, you know, back in the day, not so long ago. Um, there were the, the glass, the secrets of glass blowing in Italy were kept secret and they, they weren't shared um, at all, even between glass blowers. And he came from, he was basically like bred a glass blower. And um, so he has it, you know, in his veins and he became very interested in Judaism. He converted to Judaism. It's a whole incredible story that comes with him. You, so you he remember and I, I, very I, re close. I, I reached out to you about him. 
uh, because yeah. I somehow learned about him and I, I researched him. His name is Gianni Toso. And right. I was like, oh my God, this guy's like the master. And I'm he like, I, and I asked, I asked you if you knew him and you were like, yes, he's actually my mentor. And yeah. Yeah, I thought that that was so, that was so fascinating. I mean, the 700 year history that his family has, you know, and it's all secret and it's all learned through apprenticeship and right. mentoring and um, yeah. Right. So I remember I reached but out just, to you and you're like, sure. Yeah. 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 So he's actually, yeah, he's been a big influence. He's a, he's a big inspiration to lots of people, not just me, but he, but I feel very uh, blessed and lucky that I came to know him and learn from him and just pulling the reason why I know this story is because of him. So I heard about, you know, they found this glass kiln in near Akko and they found glass in it, but he told me that the inside part of the story that when they took that glass and checked it out of the Technion, you know, it's a recipe, the, the different elements that make up the glass. And he knew someone involved in that, who, checking the glass. And the person who he knew, you know, sent him what they found this glass was made of. And he, he said it, it made him cry. Why would it make him cry? Because it's exactly the same recipe that these Italians used. Wow. So the Italian tradition goes back 800 years. Yeah. And this kiln found in Israel is 1600 years old. So what does that right. tell us? I mean, this is like, this is like a history, you yeah. know, bursting open what people think about history. I'm sure a lot of people would um, not know what to do with this information, but he was very, very um, affected by that. Basically saying, you know, it, it traces back even this Italian tradition, which is thought of as the glass tradition by many, um, it, it's uh, it's only part of the story. This this tradition traces back that type of glass traces back to an hour away from here, wow. where they produced it. And uh, there are many stories that go with that. But that that yeah. aspect of history, you know, jumped out, um, you know, about five years ago. It's very very significant. That's you know, amazing. Information. You, you know, when yeah. I visited Caesarea um, this past summer. So um, we learned a tremendous amount about Herod. You know, that was one of his main castles. I mean, he had a lot of castles around Israel, but there were artifacts that came out of that port that were exported all over the world. And one of the artifacts that they found was glass. So right. Israel became a glass capital, glass manufacturing capital that went out to the Roman empire and Rome, of course, is Italy. So I wouldn't be surprised right. if historically, the Italian tradition traces back to Israel, like, you know, right. like history proves, yeah. right? For sure. Yeah. It's yeah. an amazing thing. It's an amazing thing. Yeah. Yeah. So, so Sheva Chaya, you know, like we, you, we're talking about history and we're talking about the, the know-how, but, you know, you find yourself in spot and every time again, like that, I visit your amazing gallery there and, and seeing the, you not just create you know, talk about glass, but then you add that spiritual dynamic, that Kabbalistic aspect of what does it mean to actually blow glass? So can you speak about, first of all, like, what is it like for those of us that don't know about like what it takes to create like a glass? So, so this is machine made and whatever, but like, how would someone create this piece of glass? You have to bring your mouth to the um, whatever that tool is called blow and pie. to blow, blow pie. And then that, the, you know, you, you create something out of it. And so first of all, what are the mechanics about that? And second of all, how does that uh, spiritually resonate um, with you? Okay, so this is, this is yeah. like the, yeah, this is like the everything. I mean, there's <laughs> a lot, but um, so, so just, you know, starting with the mechanics, the way that it works, the way that I work with glass is that I, I the, the raw materials that I start with are tubes and rods and powders, and then I heat them up. And the, the tube becomes, uh, I, I basically make it into a blowpipe. So there's a section of the tube that's thicker, and then I pull the part of it that's thinner when it's hot. So it's all one piece, a thicker part of a tube that comes to tapers off to a thinner part of the tube and it's open on the end. So I set that up, I open the end and, uh, and then 
there are many different techniques of what to do from that point. You can, you know, prepare the glass in many different ways, add color, texture, all of that type of design. And then when it comes time to make the shape, you heat up the glass and literally blow through, you take, you know, the hot end of the tube is, I can actually show you one here since I'm right here. So, uh, this is an example of a tube. So I would close it on the end here. And so this area, I would prepare it and make it, you know, beautiful, ready design wise, heat it up. And then this end is open. And when it's, it's like hot, I'm spinning. It's like a bulb. And then, and then I'm, as I'm spinning it, because it, when it's hot, it's liquid. So it's moving and flowing. So you have to spin it just to keep it in place so it doesn't flop down. And while I'm spinning and it's hot, I blow and that will then expand the glass like a bubble and make the shape. So, so this, uh, and that's like, you know, most bare bones basic uh, structure of how, how a piece of glass is blown. So on a spiritual level, and this is one of the first sources that I heard about, it's the first source, it's on page like 16 of, of Arya Kaplan's, you know, inner space, 16, 17, something like that. Very early on in, in our sources, um, the uh, analogy of a glass blower is brought up to understand the really the, the soul of man and how it's connected to its creator. And it's this is very deep stuff, which I would, you know, I would I would probably rather you explain it, Rabbi Amichai, but I can say, you know, on a on a basic level, we have we have the five levels of the soul. And, and if you look at it in terms of the, uh, the glass blower analogy, so the highest level of the soul is, is the Yechida, um, and that's the, that's the idea. And then you have the, the Chaya, which is the, the person. And then you have the, the Neshama, which, uh, which, I think actually the Yechida, the I, I, didn't, I didn't actually go over this before we spoke. Maybe you can even help me work it through. But you go through these levels of the highest level of the soul is like, it's actually like what the person thinks of to make. And you have the person and then you bring it through. Um, the, you know, the person standing there doing the work, I believe is the Neshama. And then you have the Ruach, which is the next level of the soul down, which is actually starting on the, from the, the, the creator, goes from inside the lungs of the creator, exits and goes through that tube. So there's this, this uh, transfer. It's relatively direct, but there's a transfer area, the tube. And then, and then it does what it does. The Ruach goes in and makes the, makes the shape. And in the case of creation of man, it makes the man. It, bring, it blows in the, the breath, which is in Hiru Nishima, which is the same root word as Nishama, which is the soul. So it's blowing the life and the breath and the life or that transfer from the creator in through to the, wow. to the vessel, which in this case is the person. And then the, the nefesh, which is the lowest level of the soul, when it, in the glass floor analogy, that's when, it, when it's, the product is complete, like the, the breath finished what it needed to do. It rests. And then you have a cup or whatever it might be. Wow. So that's, that's beautiful. Let, let's just recap that for a second. Um, but just before that, it actually says about man being, being created, says two expressions, vayipach, which is nefichad, which is the breath, but also vayitzer, vayitzer from the word yetzira, which is what, what you're saying, the, that level of ruach comes from the world of yetzira, right? We've got nefesh. And then we've got Ruach and then Yitzira is that world. So it exactly is that, that, that amazing analogy. So starting off from the highest level of, Yich, of Yichida, that's the inceptional level almost, right? And then Chaya is that, that dynamic, that surrounding dynamic. The Neshama would be the, 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 the mind, right? Would be the intention, yeah. sort of speak. And then the breath... Yeah is the actual creation which happens mm -hmm. and then the resting of it is the nefesh which is just mm -hmm. the way it's 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 birthed into somethingness so while it's in the state of yitzira it could go in all directions but until it rests 
And I guess you let it cool down, right? It's got to cool down. Right. You got to maybe put right. it in water. Is that possible? Do you? No, it would explode. No, you don't if dip you it. Sorry. Right, right, okay. <laughs> you don't yeah, want to do that. I, I'm, I don't, I'm, I, you know, I, I yeah. don't really don't know that much about glass blowing, but yeah. So you just let it rest. So then it forms, then it becomes, it's a shape. Right. Well, the wow. action is in the, you're right. It's in the, it's in the, the Ruach part. And I always, when I'm doing a demonstration, I'm showing people glass blowing. I, um, you know, I, I speak and I share a lot about the experience as I go in terms of preparing it and all those phases coming through of, you know, being present, deciding what to do, all of those thoughts that's internal. And then that moment of blowing, that's what everybody's waiting for. It's called glass blowing. And, and in that moment, that's when you see the most action. Like I was like, you know, oh, she's blowing, wow. she's blowing. And look, look, you know, like that moment where, like you said, it could do so many things. That's where the action happens. And then it basically when that, it's a combination of the breath can only push it into a shape so much, right? It's one breath at a certain point, it's, it's, it's done. And the glass itself is also cooling off, like you were saying. So it, 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 both of those things are happening. And then that brings us to the level of nefesh, of, of rest. There's a, there's a created thing, a sia, like it's, it's done, a, a wow. city, you know, like it's, it's done. And um, yeah, so that's, and that's the real, you know, super action moment um, in seeing glass blowing is, is right there, which is, Part of what I find super interesting about it, which I, you know, already kind of mentioned is that we have, you know, you think of how close we are, how close we can be to, to God, to our creator. And then in a sense, it's, we're so close. And in another sense, it's like, we can't be too close. It's like not even possible mm -hmm. to be, to touch or look directly at these type of ideas come up a lot. So we see it in the glass blowing example, very clearly you have this, this tube in between that breath, it does come from the inside of the lungs of the glass blower, and it does move the glass over here when it's when it's hot. But there's an in-between passageway that's totally necessary. I'm definitely not going to blow it directly where it's hot. That's not possible, right? And uh, so this this little passageway is everything. It's it's you know, on one hand, it's connecting the created to the creator, and on the other hand. It's a separation that makes it possible for this connection to happen. So I find that part super interesting. Um, and so how and do you how do you understand that in terms of your own life or let's say even parenting? I know you're you're a parent, and um, yeah. and if it's okay to say you're you're now a single parent, right? So yeah. it's uh, it's it's giving that independence, right? And, and having that space, like, how do you, how do you understand that? Right, so it's, it's really a very interesting thing. I think there's like the level of, you know, between um, humanity and God, and there's a level between people, right? So between humanity and God, we have this, um, we're so connected that breath, that's blown from God into, into us, which is our soul, we receive it from God, it's, we're connected. And yet there's the experiences in life where it's, it's like, where are you God? Like, how, how can I be so connected that every breath that I have is from you, but I can't find you and I'm, I'm, I'm always searching. And on a level of uh, between people, between, uh, you know, man and man, or parent and child, like you brought up as an example, there always is that place where uh, that in between place, no matter, you know, no matter how close people can become, there's always that space that, uh, that is, you know, it's, it's like it, like it's, you can't understand really what's in another person's heart, right? You can't, you can, approach it and if people are really um in tune with each other they can say like quote unquote get on the same wavelength but that doesn't reveal like everything of that per it's not like totally accessible so like you're saying in terms of of parenting i do think it's a you know a bit of wisdom of parenting to remember remember not only that fact that you know space needs to be given for the child to 
find themselves and express themselves and make their mistakes and and be present for them sometimes a little bit at a distance um but really you know this is it's it's like it's it's completely key to developing any relationship like a, a child if a child learns this you know that they can that they can grow and find themselves in an environment that's that's really you know supportive yet not trying to be totally controlling so hopefully that'll that'll you know work itself out in their relationships further in their lives and, and keep spreading that type it's like it's like a level of respect i would say even you know um and uh, and there's moments where it's you know uh, super frustrating to not be able to understand what another person is saying or not be understood you know like i i'm sh- i understand what i'm saying why is it not understood by the other um, but this is this is a key element of, of reality to to even just to know that is already comforting, you know. Even just knowing that this is an aspect of of how we relate to each other, um, it gives it's like freeing. It's it's comforting, but it's also freeing because it's it's it makes it like it's okay. It's 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 actually okay that uh, we can't figure th- everything out inside of another person. That's actually part of the makeup of things, and I can honor that and respect that a person is so beyond and amazing that I, you know, I can't just, you know, take every detail out of them. That's, that's actually an amazing thing to know. Or, or impose myself upon them. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Exactly. In many, in many ways. But what, what I was thinking uh, when you were saying that is the difference between chesed and gavura. You were talking about the fire. You were saying originally that fire traditionally is negative. Right. And in this way, in this analogy or this craft, we're taking fire and we're using it for constructive purpose. And perhaps in the analogy over here of the of the glass blower not being too close to the to the molding, there needs to be the space. That's also the analogy of Gavura, Mm -hmm. of of restriction, of saying there's my space, but then there's the other's space. And I cannot impose my ideals upon my child necessarily, right? Or, or impose myself upon others. That's more like chesed. Chesed is more just, you know, we're all one. We're all connected. And it's true. We're, we are. But there's also the space of gavura. And when it comes also, I think, to a relationship between us and Hashem and the creator, it's it's very important to understand that the creator gives us our independence and he wants us to really actualize that self. And it could only happen if there is that space. So I I think that that's like so profound and having those borders, I think is like all, all part of that analogy of Gavura, perhaps that whole craft, Mm -hmm. um, in many ways, it's just, it's ches, but that gavur is really chesed because the breath is, is breathing in, it's giving life, but in order to give life, you have to give space. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. I, yeah. Beautiful. Yeah. I think that's such a amazing, such a fascinating uh, dichotomy, you know, just this contradiction we want to give life, but we want to give, but we have to hold back. We want to love the person, but we need to, to have our boundaries. Um, that's, 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 and there's a lot of that in glass blowing. There's a lot of, yeah, with any, you know, with anything, there's these types of things come up, but you know, if you make a wrong move with glass blowing, it could be dangerous. I mean, Mm. At an extreme level, um, or it just could not work. You know, it could not go right. Wow. The, the, when I when I teach, so I've been teaching a lot of the past couple of years since um, since uh, Corona kind of took away the tourism. So I've had the time to to develop in other ways, and so I've been teaching a lot more. And um, when I want to, I feel like it's one of the more important things that I tell my students who want to learn glass blowing that. If, if you could only imagine like how subtle it is what you need to do, like you, like we, we think we need to push and push and push. We're trained. I don't know, maybe it's the Western world, maybe it's the modern age, whatever it might be. There's this, um, 
whatever it is, the level that people think they need to push to make something happen, that's not how glass blowing works. It's just not. You have to, in the right moment, you have to make a move and it's subtle. It's like, if you blow too hard, it pops. You don't make a vessel, you popped it. And if you move even the slightest bit, it's off. Like it goes. So you learn this over and over again in a very extreme way, I would say, with glass blowing compared to other things that I've done at least. Wow. You know, there's there's a special uh, hymn on Yom Kippur about the glass blower. Um, in Hebrew, glass blower is zagag, which is an interesting word. Zag- that that we're in the hands of Hashem of God, just as the glass is in the hand is in the hands of the glass blower. And it makes sense, like what you were just saying, if the glass blower just gives a little bit too much, it's like, you know, and so with Hashem, with God, you know, even though we don't feel it, we don't know it, but we're in his hands and it's, and, and, you know, and that it's, it's a very scary thing for a human to, to say like, I'm not in control, like, or I have limited control really. But then it's also comforting if we switch it around and we have the trust with it. We're like, I trust the glass blower. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm in good hands. So right. he, he gives me my, whatever it is that I need all the time. Right. I'm provided and for. It's, been, yeah, it's very specific. It's exactly. Yeah. It's yeah. Super- yeah, and that comes up with the glass blowing as well. This, this, that moment, people always want to know, well, how do you know how hard to blow? This is like one of the things that comes up. And it's, it's uh, with, with everything getting to that moment. So there's all of the work getting up to that moment, doing everything right. Okay, let's leave that to the side even for now. But once you get right before the moment of blowing, you have to get it just right. Like thinking of like the glass blower, being able to trust the, the big glass blower, like the, the Hashem, God. So everything's just right for it to work. The glass needs to be the right heat, hot enough, but not too hot. If it's not hot enough, it won't move. If it's too hot, it starts to mess up the glass. I need to blow at the right moment. I need to stop at the right moment. I need to blow hard enough, but not too hard. All of these aspects, if they're not within that, that realm, that margin that works, it, it doesn't work. And so here we are alive, you know, the, the creation and, and uh, okay, we could say there's, there's some, some issues with how things are working, but it works where there, there's life, life, the, the life of the world is, it's the creation that exists. And, and um, honestly, it's one of the things that I think is so unique to Judaism in terms of the perspective, the outlook it's so uh, positive about life, you know, like we say the Chaim and we, and we, we believe in, in really eternal life. And we know that we're going, we're, we're, we're going to get there and, and it's, and it's at a certain point, it's going to be forever. And this is a very unique in terms of, in relation to a lot of, uh, you know, what we hear um, in terms of apocalypse and people being, okay, it's coming to an end. It's so terrible. So we don't, think of it that way. And I, I love that aspect of Judaism. I love that, um, that that's, it's really related to, you know, this idea that you're saying that we trust the glass blower, like he's mm. making a beautiful vessel with each and every one of us. And with the bigger, you know, picture of all of history, that's, that's what's going on. And as long as we believe that we're going to get there and it is going to be beautiful. Mm. And it's a beautiful perspective. It's very, mm positive. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. And even internally to, you know, even feeling that breath of the glass blower within us. So yes, on an external level, everything is going to go okay. And everything is going okay. And we celebrate that, but really internally. And the thought that I was having when you were saying that is that externally we have, we have things that we could say are not where they should be externally. Every person could pick on that. But then if we go a little deeper to the to that breath, right? And actually this is the second chapter of Tanya really talks about this, um, about the soul being that breath and it's always there that we, we already have everything that we need. We already have life. We already have, we're already there. We just have to reveal it. it mm-hmm. 
you know, it's, it's just listening to, to the breath of the glass blower that is, that is doing it like right now, you know, not too hard, not too soft. And it's right there inside of our bodies, right? It's, it's, it's in our, in our mind, in our heart, it's in our, it's, um, it's beautiful. Um, but I was, I I was also thinking, sorry, I was thinking that when you were saying like, you were saying chesed and, you know, the glass blowing and then, and then the gavura, or we mentioned that before, but when you were mentioning, like, it's gotta be just right. That's tiferet. That's like Mm. this, this, this beautiful harmony of, of just creation, you know, being made in this like harmonious way. Nice. That's beautiful. Yeah. Um, I would say, I just want to, it's taking a tiny bit step back, but I think it's related to Tiferet also is that, you know, this idea that you were saying, if we contemplate a bit that this, this glass blower's breath is, is being blown into me every time I breathe, it's a beautiful meditation just to even just imagine it coming in and, and going out and how connected we are in that sense. So that then opens itself up to looking at every other person, every other Jew, every other human, they also are. And, and so we're all a part of this bigger uh, life system and it can really take us out of the challenges of um, relating to, to others and, and realize where you know, this person is, is being blown into life just like I am. Um, mm. And this is, I think it's one of the keys. I think it's one of yeah. the, the big keys to, you know, and one of the, I don't call it a secret or a gem that comes out of this, this type of work. I always bring that point up in, in my uh, demonstrations when I'm sharing with people, I think is, you know, it's, yes, it's, you know, it's, it's just right. And it's bringing me to life. And that's so beyond and amazing how mm. perfect and Maduyak and beautiful, like harmonious it is. And that's true for you and you and everyone else who's ever existed also. (laughs) It's, it's, it's like that line um, from Rumi um, who was a great Sufi and Sufism is actually very connected to the Kabbalists in Morocco and the Sufis really used to, you know, hang out a lot. So Rumi says uh, that, uh, that we're constantly within the cosmic breath of the creator right that's we're we're taking a collective breath at all times and uh it's beautiful you know it's exactly what you were uh you were saying um that that collective breath so let's just take everyone wherever you are let's take a take a breath right now an intentional cleansing awareness just breath that we are connected all together as as humans and as one family of nation um, all of one and connected to that divine godly breath that is breathing existence right now this second this moment Yeah, beautiful. Yeah. I love that. I love that. So that's so cool that you could actually you're you do this day in and day out. You exemplify the creator. Oh, yeah, it's, it's an analogy. No pressure, no pressure there. <laughs> it gives us an example to what what I feel like and I share also in that moment you know, like, okay, it's cool and amazing to see glass blowing. Everyone, you know, agrees. And uh, I, a lot of people I've met say, you know, the first time they saw glass blowing when they were a kid, they remember it and they got so curious as, you know, a child who sees, a child sees a lot of things, but they might not remember the first time they saw each thing. But with glass blowing, they, they often do. Yeah. And, um, it's and, the fire uh, there. 
yeah it's i mean it's it's just there's like so much mystery you know it's just like so amazing but really the the that wonder of seeing glassman that moment like wow what is happening this this little person is blowing some air and it's moving glass this hard sharp breakable unmovable type of a thing and you're just like wow it's so amazing and so beyond so really what we're we're being given there is a is a gift of being able to contemplate how awesome life and breath is you know that's that's what's happening is that the breath is moving the piece and creating the shape so all all the details around it are truly interesting and incredible but really what what we're you know what i feel it's a big gift to me that i do this regularly for myself that i could even for a split second contemplate like what you just said with this little meditation wow like a the breath of life is being blown into me and everyone else. And it's so perfect. And it's, even though we're not noticing or thinking about it, it's, it's happening. It's been happening for all of time. It, it brings everything together. So it could be a very deep like contemplation just by seeing glass blowing. And then to me, this is, um, you know, there, there's so many things that, that a person could focus on when they see it. But if you take a little moment to contemplate this the how the breath is uh in action here like going through these levels like we like we brought up that's that's some really good material for for a human being the next thing you know your mind is open and your your heart is also open to other you realize we're all connected you realize the preciousness of life okay everybody knows breath is important and life is precious everybody knows that but we can kick it up a level and a level and a level again and again, probably our whole lives, every day of our lives. How could we ever really grasp such a thing? It's huge, it's beyond. So if we take that little moment of seeing Glasgow and remembering it, okay, so I get to do it each time. It, well, it's like, well, I'm, I'm not uh, less amazed by it. I've been doing this for like 17 years. It's not boring. It's not, I'm not less amazed by it every time I blow glass or I see somebody else do it. It's just like, it's a pellet. It's just this wondrous mm. thing, which is a little bit of an awakening to like, how awesome is life? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And I kind of um, get the picture of like, you know, you could, we could use that breath to create amazing uh, creations, or we could use that breath to be angry, perhaps uh, to waste our time on, you know, just useless talk about, let's say even others, like using our breath in the wrong way versus using the breath in the right way, we could create, or we could do the opposite. God forbid we could destroy. Right. And so, you know, we could, you know, and, and like we were saying before about fire, it's the same thing. It's constructive fire versus, versus destructive fire. And what we're seeing, I think in the world is like, you know, people, I mean, fire is, is, is a natural component of life, right? Without fire, you have no, you know, you have, we don't have anything, right? Um, so there's so much, we could say potential there in the world. And then people are maybe not aware of the full extent of that uh, God-given a potential potentiality that fire that they have to create to innovate to um, help others to give life to others by giving them a good word to uplift them to um, versus let me um, slander about this political view or 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 you know or utilize this latest in- invention for my own egocentric needs and for my click and ostracizing others etc and and it really goes back it's so simple you know it's like these these that's what i love about like your practice and like practice of real artisans are just able to just go back to like very simple truths it's like it's not so complicated we don't need to be geniuses and get like masters and then doctorates and this and then that it's just like just go back to the basics you know yeah i think it's one of the best decisions 
aside from moving to Israel, so that's that's top. But uh, you know, to to choose to work with my to choose this seemingly simple. It's not. I mean, okay, you have to learn the skills and practice them and get good at it. But it's it's working with your hands, and and I would say definitely the um, the education that I got. Um, didn't necessarily put a lot of value on, you know, working with your hands. That's like a low level. You want to be on a level where you're like ruling the world with your, you know, the press of a button, if any, if you're going to move at all, you know, and, uh, and really it, it's one of the greatest gifts that I would say, like I gave myself by making that decision because I, it keeps me present. They keep, you know, the work that I do is I'm literally touching things and moving them. And then each, piece that I make, I see it, I see how it turned out, I, I learn from it, I can use it, I can give it or sell it to somebody else and they can use it and it, it's a thing in the world, which is like, it makes me present in the world. It makes Amazing. me, uh, yeah, it's like a literally, um, I never would have thought, but it's, it's like literally one of the best things, you know, is to work with your hands, uh, it's, it's, um, it attaches you. It makes you. It makes you present, basically, in the moment. Wow! wow. I've seen your mezuzah cases like around different places in the world, you know. And I'm like, oh, I know, I know that. You know, that's <laughs> such that's such a cool, uh, you know, just opportunity to have others be uh, a benefit from from the work of your creation. So the creation really lives on. Um. And, and I, do, I do try to keep it in mind, I, like you were saying before, like what we do with our words. So also our intentions, you know, like I, I could, I could uh, say I get my skills really honed in and refined and I could do all kinds of, of amazing techniques, etc. But when it comes down to it, um, it's there's the energy in, in the piece that's put into it with the intention of the, of the creator. So I, I really I mean, just being in spot, first of all, I think we're, you know, it's coming from a, a, a special place, but I really do try to, to put, you know, like a, a really good, good thoughts and, and just simple positivity into it as I'm doing it. And that as I am amazed by this whole process that I'm doing, uh, that goes in it also, you know, that, that like kind of just like appreciation of life and amazement and, and I, I I hope it's felt. I think it is. I think that it comes through, you know, for I think sure. it's, uh, yeah, for sure. For sure. So is gallery is one of the most popular galleries that people visit. Not, I mean, with COVID we've taken a little bit of a, of a hiatus over there, but, uh, used to have birthright students coming through and like, you know, a million and a half, um, tourists that used to come through Tzfat, like, you know, and you're right there at the bottom of the galleries. So it was a really busy time where I remember you just have like shifts of, of people coming through for demonstrations. And so you've really touched thousands of people. I mean, that's such a, an awesome um, legacy, legacy basically to, to lead to, 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 you know, that it's not, it, but it's not just the art. It's, it's, it's the, it's the intention and, and it's, and it's the lesson behind it, which is, which is so amazing. And, and what I, what I really love is that it's just made, it's just like you were saying with the work of your hands, it's just, it's just simplified and it's, and it really is simple. Like we are not so complicated if we allow ourselves to just leave that complication behind, you know? Right. I think I'll, I'll bring up one other little idea that I like to share connected to the glass. I think it's connected to this. So we, you know, we, uh, we associate glass with it being fragile and, and breakable. And you see with glass blowing with this process of working with it, that it's yes, both breakable and the most malleable material there is. In mm. fact, when glass is hot, you can't break it. So on one hand, it's the most breakable material. On the other hand, it's not breakable at all. How could it be? So uh. this is a paradox. So, and it's, it's, it's built into the material, this, this paradox. And what makes it all work? What makes it all work out is the fire. And the fire, in this case, like we've brought up a few times, so there's the different aspects of fire, the fire that burns and the fire that 
that melts and sticks together and basically also glows. It gives light. So glass mm. is on the side of the fire. It's the fire that heals. It's the fire that connects. It's the fire that literally uh, uh, radiates light. And so wow. this, I think, can be really applied to a lot of our um, overthinking and uh, being stuck in our brokenness. And they, you know, there, there's no. It's no secret that there's a lot of brokenness in the collective. Uh, definitely, you know, the collective Jewish people in the collective world, in every individual, there's no doubt that that is is a hundred percent for sure. But that's not the whole story. The the that's part of the story. It's just like the glass can be broken. It's also when it's heated up with the flame, it cannot be broken. And so I think this kind of explains or you know helps us understand how we could still be here because we we have our you know metaphorical fire. The glass has its fire to keep putting it back together when it's broken, so it becomes sticky and it becomes malleable, and you can blow it and change it. And we have our wow. uh, our fire, which is the fire of of the Torah mitzvah, doing something good, good intentions, like we said, thinking something good, like we said. So again, bring it back to these are deep, big things, but it's very simple when it comes down to it. It's 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 uh, remembering something so essential and simple and real. And this is one thing that we can learn about ourselves from glass. We have uh, an eternal light. We have an eternal mm -hmm. flame that is always, quote unquote, fixing us and connecting us and bringing us back to all of the potential in the world to become the form that we should be. That's so beautiful. Wow. And there's something called elasticity that we know that our own brains are proven to be elastic, that we could learn a lot more than we think. We could do a lot more than, you know, we, we think our capacities allow us to do. And I love that analogy that, that if, um, if we allow ourselves in a certain way to be malleable and not breakable, then we, we take that fire um, and that fire that could be perhaps the challenges could be the brokenness, like you mentioned, um, instead of look, viewing it as brokenness, it's an opportunity for me to now become more like God is giving me an opportunity to be bigger than I thought that I really am. And I, I don't, we don't like that. We're like, I, I, I don't think I could do this. I'm going to just explore. I'm gonna, but we're like, whether, whether or not you like it, this is the, this is what you're on and you're going to be okay. You're going to actually come, come on the other side. You're going to be better off for it. Um, yeah. But I think in a certain way, it's, it's, it's that perspective of if we think that we're going to shatter, that we're fragile, then we really are. Mm -hmm. But if, we're like we're being molded then maybe that's that's a that's a much better way of of you know allowing ourselves to go through whatever it is and having the faith and having the the trust you know and knowing that that the glass blower hashem the source of it, it, it that we're in good hands and we're 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 expanded we're getting, we're getting an upgrade, right? That's beautiful. And I would bring it back to the, you know, that's like the between us and, and God level and bringing it back to the level of between people. So that fire, you know, part of that fire that keeps us going in the right direction and doing good is the, is the, the heart that is alive, that has the, the light of, of, connection in it and wanting to do good for the world, uh, being altruistic, giving, reaching out, like you said, smiling at someone, giving them some attention. So that's that level of, of uh, rec connecting to each other and really loving each other when it comes down to it is also, it's like that, that fire, the warmth of a, yeah. the, the heart of a, of a yid, you know? Yeah. 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 Totally. Totally. Wow. And without, without that heart, then, you know, nothing really happens. We don't have growth. I mean, going back to, I mean, there's so many profound ideas over here with all this. This is, uh, that is, yeah, that is, deep uh, 
Amazing, but it's deep, but it's so simple again. Right, that's that's what's so great about it. It just yeah. it just allows us to to you know go beyond just thinking about ourselves and and realize that there's something so much bigger. And I, when I look at another person, that I know we're we're all part of something bigger, hmm. and therefore, as much as I care about myself, I care about another person ideally. And then if we're coming from that place, everything is going to be really good. You know, mm. we're going to know how to relate to each other and, and use our time and energy in this world in good ways, because we, we recognize the value of uh, humanity, of, of life. Mm. And then we treat each other right. And, and we, we spend our time in a good way. Yeah. Um, amazing. So Sheva Chaya, what, what was, I mean, we could, we could, go on and really just go on, on this, this, this sub, this topic of glass blowing in the mystical correlations. I, I don't know for quite a while, but I feel like we did, we did a, through a few podcasts. <laughs> I know, I know exactly. So let's, I, I was, I was wondering what was the most interesting experience that you've had in your gallery? Hmm. Interesting question. Um, I don't know. There's been so many. It's just like <laughs> an sure. amazing experience, one after the next. It's like an incredible something that thing. stands out. Yeah, I'm trying to think. Um, well, I do. I do have like a. I don't know if it's the most amazing thing that ever happened, but I. I there's a there's a picture. You know, also a painter. There's a picture that I like to share of Noah's Ark and I, and I share the story behind it. And I've shared this with, like you said, like thousands of people. And I kind of told the story, it was a commission piece and somebody asked me to make it from New Jersey. I tell the story and it's happened more than once that someone said, I know that person. <laughs> I know that person who commissioned that painting. There's like that connection level, like going beyond, you know, wow. but, but really for me, the, the moments that I love the most, there's a lot of like specific stories, but there's like a general moment that I really love that moment that I brought up before where, where when, you, when you blow, there's like these moments where I know it's like action. And, it, and, and I, I've done this enough times that while I'm doing it, I am focusing on what I'm doing, but I can also kind of peek at the crowd and see their faces. <laughs> so that's really, really fun because like, you, you know, it's not, well, I guess it is almost every day for me when people come, but like that you see people with their like, you know, their jaw drop, they're just like, <laughs> Like what this moment of like amazement and wonder it's just so nice to be like grown adults you know like it's just seeing this reaction and people just like they they it like it opens them you know it opens them to like this level of expression that's yeah it's not your day in day out you know it's really yeah. special and it, yeah so that's amazing I, I remember when I first saw you I was like you know Shavachai is not I mean you're five, two, maybe. Is that possible? Yeah, probably. Pro, you know, yeah. so I was like, okay. But then when you got behind the, the, the fire, I was like, she's a tough, she's a tough girl. You know, she's, you know, I was like, she's playing with fire. She's like, I, really with like the goggles. I was like, don't mess. You know, that was like the, that was like, you yeah. were just creating something that was, and with fire, I was, and I mean, I know about not messing too much with women. I'm, I've been married for a while, thank God, 20 years. And my wife, my my give the births that uh, of seeing children and seeing seeing that women have this incredible power um, with with what they do, you know, and 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 that creative process is like a very very powerful process that 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 women have. Um, and I was just wondering, like, you know, there's that, is it, is it like a male dominated um, type of, uh, of a world? Is it a female dominant? Because I haven't seen too many females. Yeah, no, it's, it's definitely male dominated still. There's, uh, there's been, you know, more, more females getting involved, but it's, it's by far mostly males. And um yeah, the it definitely takes a certain type of personality where um, you you want to 
deal with this fire you know it's like it's not it's not like a cute light thing at all it's very serious you know and yeah so for me like you asked in the beginning you know if i like fire so it's 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 helpful it's part of why it works for me i'm i'm really just amazed by the fire it's i think i love just seeing the light and the different shapes that the fire makes it's like very intriguing to me and and um and i and i like being near a fire this is just you know part of my nature um because i'm usually cold it's like you know i have my own little little furnace next to me and uh are, but yeah are, that you, a level fi- are of you a fire sign Your no birth? i'm actually a water sign oh okay I'm a water sign. interesting so it balances me yeah. yeah so it balances me out and i it's i it's good for me to be near a fire i'm i myself am not the fire it's good for me to be near the fire and but i having gotten involved with with glass blowing you know on this level i see it's it's not just being near it like being near it and sitting next to it, it's like working with it, which is actually um, integrative, I guess, and and uh, really amazing. And, and it, it's in itself is empowering. I mean, I honestly feel like anything in life could be empowering if you take it the right way, if you look at it the right way, you know, just even taking one breath with consciousness like we did earlier, that's empowering. And, and uh, you know, like I brought up earlier as well, finding a finding something that you really love, that you really want to do, that your, your will rises to do it, that you, you just, you're, you're drawn to it. So this, this, you know, it brings out something of a person to, to, to follow this type of thing. And for me, I had, I had no idea that I would get involved with glass blowing at all. Um, until I started blowing glass, um, I tried it once on, on, you know, we didn't really get through the story, but like basically I tried it once on my way to Israel uh, yeah. once, twice. And I had, I literally like went and met, met some glass blowers, but I was on my way to Israel. Like I had a flight out of Israel a couple of days later. This was in Washington state. It, and takes, they had fire, it takes fire to pursue your, your dream like that. So you are definitely. Right. 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 For sure. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, when I get focused on something, I have, I do have like an ultra focus ability. So that really helps. And uh, yeah. And I just, I got a little taste of it. I tried it. They let me try it. And I I remember I was just learning the um, Hebrew alphabet really at that point. I have like, you know, there's like that whole side of the story of how I started to learn. But um, so I I remember I, the first thing I made with glass was the letter Shin, which is like, it looks like a flame and it's the first letter of my name and whatever. So I, tried to make a shin out of glass that first time and uh, I still have it somewhere wow. and um, and I and then I had a plane to Israel like the next day and I couldn't you know if I if I was just floating and free I probably would have stayed there for a month or something and you know hung out and learned glass blowing with these people they're nice people and they wouldn't have mind I don't think but I had a I had a trip to Israel set up and I got on that plane thinking well that was cool glass blowing is really amazing I wonder if I'm ever going to try that again (laughs) and then I came to Israel and got involved in in life learning and getting married thank god having kids thank god like all years went by no glass blowing and um, lots lots of life going on and but I didn't forget about it. And, and I and you lived in Sfat at the beginning, right? No, I actually lived in Israel about uh, seven, eight years in the Jerusalem area before moving up to Tzfat. I've been in Israel since basically 98. Wow. And I moved up to Tzfat in 2005. Mm. Yeah. So, um, so that whole, you know, first phase of being in Israel and starting a family and everything, I continued painting. And I had in the back of my mind glass blowing, didn't forget about it. But I also think, you know, what I had three little kids under the age of five when I started glass blowing. I was 30 years old. Uh, how do you do that? You know, so I, I guess, you know, we have that phrase, um, you, get, you, get, you get some heavenly help when you need it, I guess. I don't even know how, how I held on and kept trying. I and mean, it's not an easy thing to learn at all. But somehow in between kids and in between, you know, diapers and naps, I would put on the baby monitor and on my table and try glass playing a little bit like daily as much as I could. And wow. somehow over the years, I, I learned it enough to be able to to, you know, do things and share it. Wow, that's amazing. That takes fire. Yeah, I'm a very determined, I'm a very determined water sign. So <laughs> yeah, you're Scorpio, right? If I remember. Scorpio. Yeah. yeah. 
Yeah. Yeah. Scorpios yeah. are like the fire of the water signs. I, in my opinion, yeah. they're like more of the. Yeah, yeah. I, yeah. I could see that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Wow. Um, so, I, again, I feel like we could go so deep into these concepts. Um, but, uh, but we, I feel there's so much like food for thought. And I love like the analogies of, um, of that space of Gavura and the analogy of the breath and um, the analogy of our potential. There's so much, there's so much there. And once again, it just comes down really in a very simplified way if we don't overcomplicate um, things, you know, and just, just, see the or or ex, stop overthinking our own um our own brokenness or what is missing and what is that if there's there's that malleability right that the elasticity that uh that we're being taken to a better place we're being we're being transformed we're being changed and um Wow. So thank you so much, Avachaya. Um, yeah, I would love to ask you maybe um, what do you feel is your, your favorite um, book or, or, or teachings or, or if it's a Hasidic statement or if it's a Hasidic um, book that uh, I know that you teach a lot and involved with, you know, steeping yourself in the learning of, of Hasidut and, and Kabbalistic concepts. So what's your, what's your go-to? Um, I would say the, you know, there's like the, the first thing, which goes way back, was one of the first um, levels that I started to learn was, was really the the importance and the how central it is to to have joy, and to and to to return to joy and to find joy and to and to um, to act with joy. Um, this this I think is is the under you know any anything that we can do well. So we we should do it with joy, and we and we need to not forget that it can be you know a person gets over focused on. Um, you know, even important things, learning to, you know, do something correctly and, and be the best. Um, and that can be amazing up to a certain level, but then you can imagine doing it with joy. Ah, so yeah. then, then we're getting somewhere. And um, this can be applied on so many levels, you know, and in, back to the broken in wholeness, um, how, we, how we relate to each other um and how we relate to the creator to to the creation um if we're and, and and why is it such an important point to bring up joy all the time why is it such a factor it comes up in you know just about every Hasidus and and uh that's probably not for no reason because it's 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 not easy it doesn't come naturally it's something that we have to it's like a muscle that we have to build and integrate and remind ourselves regularly to to bring it in and become strong in joy and um, i think that 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 in itself is one of the more powerful and important teachings um, i think any other teaching that element brought to it just like brings it to a whole new level yeah yeah beautiful beautiful yeah. wow thank you shavachaya so much Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Many blessings. It was a pleasure to share in this conversation with you. Make sure to check out livekabbalah.com and join our online school and community to deepen your learning and living your most authentic self.